Thank you all so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. Just a reminder that this is part two and the final part of Crime Salad's coverage on this case in which we will cover the Tote family murders. You will be confused if you don't listen to part one. So just pause now, go listen to part one and come back to this episode. We would also like to remind you that this case is graphic. So some of its content may be disturbing to some listeners. All right, enough said. Let's go. So when we left off, Anthony Tote had been arrested for the murder of his wife, three children, and the family dog. After spending a few days in the hospital, his story took a turn. When Anthony was transferred to jail, he gave law enforcement a full confession filled with an implausible story that just didn't even match the evidence. Then he soon began giving hints that he was planning on to completely deny that confession. The first hint came in a recorded jailhouse phone call with his sister Chrissy. And in that call, he told her that he had no recollection of confessing and anything he told law enforcement was under medical duress and couldn't have been the truth. Then he hinted that Megan was responsible for her own death as well as the death of their children. In part one, we also discussed a bit of Anthony's past. When he was a child, his father had hired someone to kill his mother when he was only four years old. His mother did survive the attack, but lost her left eye. The saying, like father, like son, seems to fit perfectly here. His father, Robert Tote, was released from prison in the 90s and eventually reconnected with Anthony in 2010 via Facebook. And Anthony kept this reunion secret from the rest of his family. A year later, when Chrissy found out that he was in communication with their father, she was extremely upset. As a result, Anthony cut off all contact with his father again until his own arrest in January of 2020. In June of 2020, he reached out to his father and wrote him a letter that was 27 pages long where he gave his second version of what happened to his family. In short, he tells his father that he came home to find Megan at the top of the stairs, having just killed all three of their children. The letter states in part, long story short, she gave them the Benadryl slash Tylenol PM pie, separated them, woke up at 11.30 p.m., stabbed, and then suffocated each one. I ran to the bathroom and puked. He told his father he wanted to go public with the truth because he didn't understand why he was being charged since the evidence allegedly reflects his innocence. But his attorney advised him to wait until his trial to reveal the truth. He told his father, I would have called a press conference months ago, but I was told by my attorneys, who happened to be some of the best in the state, that this was not the appropriate way to handle the case. So I just sit in idle, making a list of lawsuits for when I get out. So Anthony is expecting to get out of prison, and when he does, he will be ready for the number of lawsuits. Anthony ended his rambling letter by telling his father that he forgives him. He told him, I offer you forgiveness for not being there to protect us that night, March 19th, 1980. Although we were both not there on our respective nights in question for different reasons, I cannot forgive myself if I don't first forgive you. 
Then he told his father that Megan had released the souls of their children before killing herself in front of him. Anthony went to trial in April of 2022, where he took the stand in his own defense, looking much thinner and healthier. He appeared to be at least 100 pounds lighter and again began resembling the smiling husband in the Tote family photos. He began his testimony by telling the jury he met his wife, Megan, while they were both still in high school. After graduation, where he was elected the most likely to succeed in his class, he went on to attend Sacred Heart University in Fairfax, Virginia. Megan, who was two years behind him in school, eventually joined him at Sacred Heart as well. At college, they both studied psychology and health psychology with a declared minor in pre-physical therapy. After they completed their undergraduate studies, they each went on to obtain a master's degree in science of physical therapy. Megan also completed 100 hours to become a certified licensed yoga practitioner. He married Megan in her junior year of college before he began his master's program. He obtained his physical therapy license in 1999 and practiced until the time of his arrest. And Megan worked alongside her husband in the business that they named Family Physical Therapy. Now, when they first began their careers, they both took traveling physical therapy assignments throughout the East Coast, and they took many of these assignments in Florida. And that's where they eventually bought a two-bedroom condo in Celebration, Florida in July of 2005. This was both an investment and a vacation spot. When not in use, they would also rent it out as a vacation condo. They mostly worked these assignments, what they called the snowbird season, where they provided physical therapy services to the elderly and Megan also practiced in the field of pediatrics. They would take travel assignments for 13 weeks at a time and occasionally their contracts were extended. Now in court, Anthony provided very long-winded answers and repeatedly had to be told to only answer the specific question that he was being asked. But he ignored this admonition from the judge and continued rambling. He told the jury that Megan was first diagnosed with Lyme disease as a teenager, but it went into remission. She was also diagnosed in middle school with a heart issue described as mitral valve prolapse and a murmur which was medically insignificant in severity and did not require a surgical intervention. She also allegedly had an arrhythmia issue. Anthony said that when they were first married, she was generally in good health because she avoided caffeine and sugars because of her heart issue. According to Anthony in March of 2011, her health began to deteriorate. While discussing her health decline on the stand, Anthony became emotional but still looked at the jury before answering each question. This is something that defendants often do because they think that it helps them to connect with the jury and humanize themselves, making them harder to convict. This is something that often gets mixed results. With a sympathetic witness, this can be a very effective trial strategy. However, it wasn't working for Anthony because his testimony came off very inauthentic and with clear forced emotions. He went on to tell the jury that in 2011, while visiting Disney World in Orlando, Megan was bitten by a black bug with six legs and a red mark appeared that reminded her of the state of Texas. Anthony paused after this description, waiting for the jury to laugh, which never came. 
Then he awkwardly continued testifying that he didn't see the bug, but by the end of the day, the bite area turned into a red and green pustule with a yellow head, similar to like a pimple. He said it was swollen and painful to the touch. This bug bite was allegedly the impetus for the return of Megan's Lyme disease. During this portion of the testimony, Anthony's voice began to crack again, and he became emotional when he described that the ensuing years were filled with many trips to the hospital, the ER, and cardiac critical care units. Now, it's important to note that Anthony, as the next of kin for his deceased wife, would have access to her medical records, as would his attorneys through subpoena power. Yet, there were no medical records produced to corroborate these stories of repeated medical emergencies. He said that she was diagnosed with a multitude of things, including cellulitis and then drug-induced hepatitis. She allegedly had white pustules on her nostrils that made it impossible to eat, which caused her to drop from a normal weight of 125 pounds to 90 pounds at the time of her death. Her lymph nodes were enlarged and she had trouble breathing. Anthony said that her liver became inflamed and it was causing her body to malfunction. He said her eyes at one point were yellow in color. All of these unsubstantiated claims of compromised health changed her from a vibrant, healthy woman to a depressed medical patient who could barely get out of bed. But again, the medical records, where are they? Hi, this is Daniel Roof, the Real GM radio podcast. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering information with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. BetOnline has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through the World Series. And don't forget, BetOnline is where you get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football right at your fingertips. BetOnline has real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. We're serious up betting on football. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. Through tears, he said that Megan could barely eat or breathe and her heart began going crazy. He said that her resting heart rate would be 190 or above and her EKGs, which were never produced at trial, showed her heart going up and down at irregular intervals. Yet there is never any testimony from a cardiologist or a medical provider corroborating any of this. He also insisted all of her heart chambers were beating irregularly. After an objection as to his medical expertise, he very indignantly described for the jury while yelling in an infuriated manner that his work with nursing staff and 20 years of medical knowledge gave him the expertise needed to understand his wife's medical conditions. He also felt it made him more than qualified to discuss and diagnose and even explain his wife's medical symptoms. Anthony appeared insulted that the prosecutor would question his credentials or ability to diagnose his wife. To me, this just makes me see what kind of guy Anthony really is. Because of her medical condition, Anthony told the jury she went from a vibrant and happy young woman who was his best friend to a shell of her former self. In an odd rant, he repeated how close they were and that they remained best friends from the time that they met. And he also told the juries that they dated for eight years before they were married. And that meant that her family was his family and her grandmother was his grandmother. 
And all of this testimony is given while looking at each juror and yelling as if he were insulted by the objections. Of course, this is on direct examination where his attorney is throwing him softballs, yet he still comes off combative and angry. Maybe this is a defense strategy and maybe this is a lack of witness preparation, but either way, he came off very arrogant and histrionic. He told the jury that even though she remained the light of his life after 20 years of marriage, his stomach would still get butterflies when she walked into a room. He stated he only existed for her. He began painting an extreme picture of adoring and worshiping his wife so that he wouldn't come off as a monster later in his testimony when he eventually accuses her of murder. He went on to tell the jury that before his wife got sick, they were blessed with two wonderful boys. Again, with an emotional voice that went in and out of cracking. And he said that she went from a mom who provided everything to a mom who could barely walk up the stairs on certain days. He said with the assistance of his family, they were forced to hire a mother's helper who would take the children to school and to some of their activities. On cross-examination, it became clear that they only hired someone to help with the children on days when Megan still worked part-time at family physical therapy. Next, he discussed his deep religious beliefs in Catholicism, which he said Megan and her family shied away from after their marriage. As they progressed as a family, Megan looked into alternative religious experiences. As a medical provider, they both relied on modern medicine to heal themselves. However, when modern medicine didn't seem to help, Megan sought more natural medical remedies. Anthony's attorney allowed him to ramble on for as long as it took the prosecutor to object. However, the prosecutor wasn't availing herself to all of her allowable objections because his ramblings weren't helping his case. He went on to tell the jury that through Megan's practice of yoga, she was introduced to an Eastern religion which was Hindu-based. He said her Eastern studies resulted in her rejecting Catholicism and modern medicine. Now, during the testimony, it became clear that Anthony was acting. I feel like if I was in that courtroom, I would be eye-rolling so hard. He would take a very deep breath and then pretend to be emotional and then very dramatically ask if he could face the wall and wipe the tears away from his dry face. While pretending to cry, he told the jury that Megan's father hung himself two years before her death, which also devastated her. She was very close with her father and, in fact, no longer spoke with her mother or allowed any contact between her mother and their children. Then he told the jury that her father was Megan's best friend and that made her father his best friend, too. He seemed to want to repeatedly convey how close he and Megan were and how much her family loved and adored him. And later we'll find out that none of this was true. He told the jury he enjoyed watching the relationship between Megan and her father because she was that close with him. Anthony told the jury that Megan experienced two miscarriages during their marriage that greatly affected her mental health. The first miscarriage was after she had been bitten by that black bug at Disneyland, which caused her to become deeply depressed. And then in the fall of September 2019, they were blessed with another pregnancy, which took her from being very ill and depressed to happy, dancing and singing around the house. He described her demeanor like a Disney character, which he tearfully said he hadn't seen in forever. 
They lost the baby at 10 weeks of pregnancy, which plunged her back into a deep depression. She went from singing, humming, and dancing to bedridden again. He insisted that Megan was able to hide this part of her from everyone. But no one who knew Megan described her as checked out, depressed, or unable to walk or move. When Megan's Lyme disease allegedly returned, she began experiencing chronic pain, breathing problems, and what he called exacerbations when her immune system would stop working and would cause joint aches, feeling of loneliness, depression, and not wanting to go on. Anthony said that on some days he would have to shave her legs because she was in so much pain she couldn't bend over or take care of her basic needs. But thanks to Anthony, she had shaved legs. Wow, what a caring husband. He went on to explain that the more she declined, the more she turned to her Eastern religion, which she believed would give her control over her own medical care. Her chronic illness took her from traditional medicine to natural medicine to a book written by a guy who hears voices that tell you the steps to take to restore your health, a book called The Medical Medium. According to Anthony, her new religious group was conducted mostly by Skype or over the internet, and he would sit with her through some of these meetings, and they were given prayers to say family lineage karma burning. Her new religion taught her that their family's past transgressions follow you through multiple generations and carry forward. In this religion, there was an afterlife component in which each afterlife and reincarnation burns the family's karma in the current life. This would result in salvation through reincarnation. Anthony said that she was being taught that in her next life, she would have a better life and better relationships with people who had abused or betrayed her in her current life. He also said that Megan only shared these beliefs with him and knew not to share them with anyone else in her family. Through fake tears, he said the day he returned to the house after she allegedly murdered their children, she showed him her suicide note. When she showed him the suicide note, she was trying to explain to him what she did and why she did it. And as you may recall from episode one, this suicide note was written on Anthony's phone and printed out a few days after Megan died. But this was a different version of the suicide note. In this version, Anthony said that Megan wanted him to understand what she had done. She was presenting it as fact, and he said he called her some names that he had never called her before. She said that, quote, This is what I've been told through my meditations, and this is what I believe and what the light has provided me, end quote. Anthony told the jury that when he realized Megan had murdered their children to give them a better life, he immediately puked and cried. He was in total denial and couldn't understand what she had done. Then he told her that he was willing to get her help and wanted to take responsibility for their children as long as she would get help and get better. He said that he would do anything in this life to do what he needed to make her happy, including assume guilt for the murder of their children. He said that even after she allegedly killed the children, he still held her on a pedestal and wanted her to get better. She was still his wife, and he still intended to love, honor, and obey her in sickness and in health, and this was sickness. Anthony incredulously told the jury that he didn't care that Megan had murdered his children and that he still loved her. 
And after being intentionally vague for as long as possible, he was asked to tell the jury what happened the day the children were murdered. And through more tearless crying, he looked at the jury and he said he came home that day and his children were dead. He said it was the most horrible day of his life, which honestly seems like a gross understatement. Then he said his wife died in front of him too. He describes seeing the blueberry Benadryl putting pie on the table, and in this version of events, he said it was his understanding that Megan laced the pie with Benadryl to drug the children into unconsciousness or a very deep sleep. After seeing the pie, he went upstairs, and his wife immediately met him at the top of the stairs. At this point, the house felt unusually quiet, and he immediately sensed that something was wrong. Megan brought him into the room and shared what had transpired. He also noticed that she had blood on her shirt, which he learned was because she tried to stab herself in the stomach. He immediately went to the children and found each of them dead. He used a warm, wet cloth to clean their faces and close their eyes because, at this point, he was still their dad. Anthony told the jury that he didn't even remember the statements he gave to investigators immediately following his release from the hospital. However, he believes that his agenda was to take all of the blame and allow his wife's memory and reputation to remain clean. He told the jury that this was the real truth and what he said in the interrogation room was all just a lie to protect his wife. The last thing he remembered was falling down the steps, which had resulted in him fracturing his neck, and the next thing he recalled was him waking up in jail. He said the video the jury was shown of his interrogation was the first time that he saw it and was aware of what he said and why he said it. He said his agenda was unconscious due to the type of relationship he had with his wife, which was to worship her and place her on a pedestal. He only lied to the investigators to protect his wife, which was his job in life and in death. He stated that he had no recollection of telling investigators he stabbed his own children. He said he was unsuccessfully trying to take the blame for his wife's actions by guessing how they died and what he saw and what she told him. He had every intention of joining his family in the afterlife, but was unsuccessful in all of his attempts. He said the first time he tried to kill himself, he sliced his wrists, and the second time he took multiple doses of Benadryl and even tried to hang himself. He also bought a pellet gun to shoot himself because he was so bad at killing himself. He couldn't get himself to, quote, eat a gun. In addition to the two pellet guns found in his home, there was also a fully loaded firearm which he never used. And during those three weeks he was alone in the house with his family's dead bodies, he thinks he tried at least 10 times to kill himself. Then, without any self-awareness, he told the jury that when he saw a knife that big, he thought, quote, No way. I chickened out, yes. I tried other means. I tried at least three episodes of Benadryl. Each time he allegedly tried to poison himself, he would eventually just wake up again. He thinks he took his last dose of Benadryl the day before the police showed up and found his family on January 13th, 2020. He stated that he was very frustrated at this point that he couldn't kill himself. On 
cross-examination, Anthony was very combative and no longer emotional. Instead, he was angry and frustrated that the prosecutor wouldn't allow him to ramble on with his answers. She would cut him off and remind him that her questions were yes or no questions, to which he replied he needed to explain. It was quite clear that Anthony liked to be in control. In fact, during closing arguments, the prosecutor said the entire reason behind these senseless murders was Anthony's need to control his family, which was something he couldn't do from a prison cell. The prosecutor told the jury that Anthony wasn't going to allow his wife and his children to live a life that he didn't control on a daily basis. Anthony was unanimously found guilty on all charges, including the one count of animal cruelty. Megan's aunt, Cindy Kopko, gave an unprepared victim witness statement where she eloquently spoke from her heart about Megan and the kids. She wasn't just Megan's aunt, she was also Megan's godmother and the godmother to each of their children. She referred to Tyler as Tyler Bear and Zoe as Princess Zoe. She shared a few things that the kids did that were out of the kindness of their heart. They would walk the dogs for neighbors, bring in groceries for the elderly without even being asked, and they loved to go to retirement homes to play piano and violin. She talked about how involved Megan was with the children's musical theater school and how she made a model of a hand with strings to show the children how tendons, muscles, and ligaments work to make music. They were very well known throughout the neighborhood because Megan took the dog Breezy and the children on several walks per day and the children had many friends in the neighborhood. The person that Anthony described as chronically ill and bedridden was someone that Cindy Kopko didn't recognize. Both of Cindy's parents, who would also be Megan's grandparents and the children's great-grandparents are still alive. They are 94 and 96, and they have been devastated over the loss of their granddaughter and great-grandchildren. Cindy and her parents would take each child once a year on vacation anywhere they wanted to go. Megan and her children were the center of their family. She described something they would call Girls' Day, where Cindy and her mother would take Megan and the children out shopping for shoes and clothing and have lunch and spend the day together just enjoying each other's company. Whenever these days occurred, Anthony would call Megan insistently. He wanted to know where they were and what they were doing at all times. She would tell him that if anything were to happen, he would be the first person she would call and to trust his family to be away from him for one day. She said that Anthony had gained a tremendous amount of weight in a short period of time, which worried her. She was a retired nurse and offered to pay to have an MRI of Anthony's carotid artery and his heart examined. He was complaining of pain in his legs and would often fall asleep at family events while sitting up. She worried he had weakened arterial walls. The entire family was worried and alarmed when Anthony moved them all permanently to Florida to their tiny two-bedroom vacation condo. Cindy also told the judge that Alec and Tyler loved to play basketball with their friends. So the Community of Celebration installed and dedicated a basketball hoop with a plaque in their honor. She told the judge that Anthony didn't just hurt the family, he also devastated an entire community. Children don't understand a world where a father kills his family. Um, 
the children would ask their fathers, are you going to kill me at some time? Do you think you're going to kill me? Because the children, were, Megan's kids were just so fun-loving and giving and loved all their friends that, and they came to the house, they did all kinds of things together. Went in the little playground areas and climbed things and Hi, this is Daniel Roo the Real GM Radio Podcast. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering information with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Bet Online has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through the World Series. And don't forget, Bet Online is where you get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football right at your fingertips. Bet Online has real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. We're serious up betting on football. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. Anthony shook his head throughout Cindy's testimony in disagreement. He wasn't about to let anyone else have the last word, and especially not someone who exposed and revealed his true character. As a result, Anthony's attorney asked if his client could address the court, which the judge granted. Anthony stood up with emotion bordering on anger in his voice as he spoke. This was a personal catastrophe in everybody's life in my family, including myself. I maintain my innocence. I provided for my wife, did everything I could for my wife. She was progressively sick over the years. There were days which were worse, days which were better. She was kept on a pedestal from me. My kids kept, I I did everything for them. The weight gain, Ms. Kopko has said, was because I negated myself. Two to three hours of sleep a night because I would be treating my wife, doing for my wife, flying back and forth. I appreciated her medical concerns. And the reason why I would call so much is because Megan would have bad days. And I just needed to know she was okay. It wasn't a control factor. It wasn't a, any, any kind of, scoping things out or whatnot it was my fear that she was or my fear that something was wrong with her and i just needed to hear her voice making sure she was okay i loved my wife i loved my children i was not there the night my children died the kids and my wife woke up sorry The Friday before all this happened, we got in a disagreement and I begged her to go get help because she screamed at my son because he didn't do the pot, clean the pot. He had his soap per my instructions. This has been a progressive history since the miscarriage, her anger issues, her frustration issues, and it was directed mostly at me. And I took it. It's okay because she held me partly responsible for getting her sick initially because I insisted she went to the hospital. I told her after she finally decided to schedule a doctor's appointment on the Thursday after Thanksgiving, she canceled it. I found that out the night before. When she screamed at Tyler the Friday the 13th, 
I told her that she has to the end of the month to see a doctor because she went through the alternative and spiritual and all this other route. Or I would get her aunt and my sister involved. After that, she once again held it quiet in public. Okay? She was very good at keeping it from the public. We went to the recital that they did for the convalescent home on the 13th. I was walking on eggshells. I don't like upsetting my wife. My wife was primary and foremost in my life, especially after she got sick. Finally, whatever day it was, and I apologize, I do not have the days because I was on, on, on a uh, winter break. I went up to her one night and said, listen, I haven't treated you in a couple days. Just allow me to treat you. Allow me to work on you. And I tried a couple different techniques. As I was working, she was worried about me not loving her anymore. And I told her, no, the footprints, remember the footprints poem? Sometimes you don't think I'm there, but I'm the one carrying you. I will do whatever you need to get ready. That's why I've supported you. She knew I didn't believe in this light and this other religion that she went into, but I supported her, because that's what a husband does. Everybody has a freedom to choose their own religions. Everybody has a freedom to choose their own acts. She fell asleep, very rested comfortably. I couldn't sleep. I went downstairs. Okay? At this point, Anthony was letting his hidden self slip. He couldn't understand how he could have been convicted when he was always able to portray himself to the world as the kind, charitable, caring guy, someone who always had control. His facade was slipping, and his attorney knew it. That's when he put his arm around his client and stopped him from speaking. He told him that the judge didn't have the authority to overturn his conviction, and this wasn't the proper place to make this kind of statement. I mean, he had just compared himself to Jesus in the famous Footprints poem. So it's safe to say Anthony was losing it. But Anthony couldn't stop himself. He insisted he had to let the judge know why he left that night and why it was his only opportunity to get things done. He was still irrationally insisting it was Megan who had killed herself and her family. And it was clear that Anthony was seething over the things said by Megan's aunt. Cindy Kopko had revealed a portion of the man he truly was, a dominating egomaniac who was always able to control his own narrative. By making that statement in open court, he only revealed the monster that ended the lives of his wife, three beautiful children, and family dog. By the end of the trial, his motives were clear. He knew he was heading to prison for insurance fraud. When his father went to prison, his mother moved him and his siblings to another state and remarried, and Anthony wasn't about to allow history to repeat itself. Those were consequences he wasn't prepared to endure. As he told investigators in his first confession, he brought his children into this world, and he had the right to decide how and when to take them out. But the trial judge had heard enough. Jury has unanimously determined 
after listening to the evidence presented that you, Anthony John Tote, are a destroyer of worlds, that you destroyed the world of your four-year-old daughter, Zoe Elizabeth Tote, that you destroyed the world of your 10-year-old son, Tyler John Tote, that you destroyed the world of your 13-year-old son, Alexander John Tote, that you destroyed the world of your wife, Megan Denise Tote. The jury has unanimously determined that you murdered each of them with premeditation based on the evidence presented in this room. As to count one, first degree murder of Zoe Elizabeth Tote, you were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. As to count two, for the premeditated murder of your son, Alexander John Tote, you are sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. As to count three, for the premeditated murder of your son, Tyler John Tote, you are sentenced to life in prison. As to count four, for the premeditated murder of your wife, Megan Denise Tote, you are sentenced to life in prison. Not one of those lives was less valuable than the others. Those sentences will be imposed consecutively. You will be adjudicated guilty as to each count. For the murder of the family dog, you are adjudicated guilty and sentenced to the maximum sentence consecutive, which is one year in the county jail. You will get credit for any time that you have already served. Madam Clerk. For a few weeks after the Tote family first went missing, people began voicing their concerns that they had kept to themselves in the past. Some believed the real reason Anthony moved his family from Connecticut to Florida was to isolate them and keep them under his control without the influence of Megan's family. Now Anthony will spend the rest of his days in prison where everything is out of his control. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode and your amazing support. Please leave us a nice review if you enjoyed the show and be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. We will be back with another episode next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. Hi, this is Chris Hart, host of Plug or Chris Hart. BetOnline is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. BetOnline has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through the World Series. And don't forget, BetOnline is where you get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football right at your fingertips. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on all the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.